welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, hosts and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. the divide have you missed us we're um, on with another another podcast to talk to you a little bit today about education now not education about um, your your children and we're teaching them to read and write and arithmetic but we're talking about uh, things that can make you uh, racially literate is that a good way to say that? I don't know. But we want to educate you on the things about race. Um, we want to, Bridge the Divide has a goal to kind of educate you on the history of things that we've missed, things we haven't talked about in school. We'd like to talk to you about current events, things that are happening now, and maybe even educate you on steps that you can take to make our community, we start out with our community, and then that leads up to the world, just a little bit better place. Um, one of the things that, that um, I guess that sticks out in my mind about education is how we do it. There's so many different ways to educate ourselves. One of the things that we like to do is to um, have speakers come in, we have lectures, we have seminars, um, and we allow you just to listen and learn from another person. We also like to have you listen to stories. Um, it's, it's harder sometimes to hear another person's perspective uh, un, or understand another person's perspective if you haven't heard their story. So sometimes it's just letting a person tell you their story. One of the biggest gaps, I think, in in our programming and how we do it is that we have so few people of color out here in the county that it's hard to get information to you from the mouths of people of color. We want to um, we want you to hear their perspective. We want you to listen when they call out um, issues that are occurring, things that they see that maybe somebody else won't see. Um, and we also want to have you listen to people of color tell you what they need, what things they think can help improve these the racial tensions that we have or strategies to improve racial reconciliation. And um, what we're going to do today is have a nice conversation with a lovely woman of color, Nikatris Perkins. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I think if you can start out with just telling us a little bit about yourself and um, and Ubuntu, if you can tell us about that, too. Sure. So my name is Nakatris Perkins. I am from Milwaukee. I've lived here most of my life. Um, I've had a very short three-year stint <laughs> that I wasn't here. But most of my life, been in Milwaukee um, and gone to school in Milwaukee or surrounding areas. Um, I am a youth advocate. I am an advocate for the rights and figuring out ways to ensure that marginalized voices are heard. Um, rights of young people, rights of people of color, rights of people who don't all, the rights don't seem like we need to be fighting for them, like very plain civil rights that we think, oh, 
that's something everybody has and it doesn't, it's not something that everybody has. So how do we do that? Um, I currently am um, the senior strategist for Ubuntu Research and Evaluation, which is a professional learning community run by black women. And we use liberation and beloved community frameworks to evaluate, strategize and facilitate with individuals, neighborhoods, communities, to help them get a better understanding of how we can work and play and live together in a way where everyone feels safe and valued. I think we need a little more of that. I like that. <laughs> this is good. So um, so Bridge the Divide is, we're about a year old, and we kind of started with just saying, we're not sure how this should work, that it's just about conversation. We need to be in community and we need to have conversations. And that's what we try to do. Tell me a little bit about the beloved community framework. What, how, how does that play out? So the beloved community framework is about people thinking about how to live in community and okay. honesty. But it's not something that is we put these certain things in place and then, boom, there's a beloved community. Mm -hmm. It's about practicing things and practicing things that we always talk about in a lot of different ways and places. Love, forgiveness, reconciliation, um, embracing conflict. There's parts of community that just make sense for us to practice. And it's not that we're pulling it out of the sky. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of beloved community. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King made it very popular um, during his time as a civil rights leader. And he didn't get it from himself, right? Mm -hmm. Like he had a mentor, Howard Thurman, who also during his time made it popular. And Josiah Rice made it more, Josiah Royce um, was made it very popular. Um, Bell Hooks talks about it a lot right now. Uh, it's kind of embedded in a lot of her books and writings and lectures, what it means to build or live in beloved community. Mm -hmm. So it's just the idea that... Um, what can we do to recognize that everyone around us knows things and has learned things knowingly or unknowingly that um, are awesome mm -hmm. and some that marginalize or ostracize people? And how can we break down those barriers so that we can live together mm -hmm. in a way that people feel honored? Um, people feel like I'm, I can be here. I'm supposed to be here. And um, the people around me can be here and are supposed to be here being open to those that reality mm -hmm. and fighting for it because it's not. A given because of the information that we've learned or haven't learned mm -hmm. through our lifetime, you know, anywhere past about two, we start getting information <laughs> right, that right. may or may not be helpful right. to living in a space or working in a space with people from any given background. Mm -hmm. um, how long have you been doing this? So I've been working with Ubuntu for the last two years, but I would say how long have I been doing, quote unquote, this? This, this work. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably <laughs> since um, high school. Okay. So um, when I was in high school, I worked, at, and some of these places don't even exist in the city anymore. So I got to volunteer with, um, there was something called the Youth Advisory Council okay. through the Volunteer Center of Greater Milwaukee. And we spent a lot of time in communities mm -hmm. figuring out the best way to do service. So at first mm -hmm. time, like, we're going to do a service club. When I look back at that time, that was that still to this time is the most diverse group of young people, diverse group of people I've ever worked with huh. from different schools, from different backgrounds, different races, different religions, different abilities. Mm -hmm. Like when I really think about that group, they were differently able people in that group, private schools, public schools. Um, ninth through 12th grade, okay. people who are going to, who lived in the suburbs, who lived in the city, who right. lived in different counties. Um, and we worked together every single night of, you know, every single uh, week. Okay. And we had huge 
countywide projects. And I learned a lot around what it meant to like really live in community and be in community right. and work in community and have fun in community. Cause we had field trips too. And we hung out and got to know each other's families in ways that I, since then I've never connected with another group that diverse. Okay. And some of those people are still my friends. Okay. And so I think that's when it really started. Okay. And then it continued. I felt like what I was doing in that space should be able to be a job. Mm-hmm. How do you serve the community? How right. can you be in community with people and, Surely we can make this a career. Right. Right. <laughs> and so like it wasn't like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to do what I'm doing right now. Right. And somebody's going to who say it's good. I'm right. not sure. So it's kind of changed over the years. Okay. Um, started there, then realized that youth didn't have a voice in many spaces. Right. And really fought for that as a young person. And then unfortunately, at some point, you know, you are no longer a young person. That was a sad birthday. On the outside, maybe. <laughs> On the inside, I can be young. <laughs> so you no longer meet the definition of young right, person. Right, right. And so what it looks like to change tables and really see why and how young people don't have voice. Right. Um, so advocated and then. You know, as you get older, it's like, I also should be advocating to make sure young people are here mm-hmm. and how it can be different in people's households and how we're not saying, like, let young people do whatever they want to and teach them nothing. Their voice should just be rampant, right? But there's a big difference between let young people run free and teach them nothing uh-huh. and ask young people to sit down and be seen and not heard. There's a very large gap right, between right. those two. And so did a lot around youth advocacy, and then that bled into what's happening in school. Right. Right. (laughs) And that me not having, I would say, um, the best social or maybe psychological school experience. Okay. Had an awesome education, right? I know my ABCs, (laughs) one, two, threes, (laughs) as deep as you can possibly get them. But my social experience in school was not as pleasant as I think other people's was. And, um, like, I would not repeat any grade for mm-hmm. any reason <laughs> um, at any of the institutions that I attended. But I did learn a lot. And okay. so what would it be like for me to enjoy education? Not because I like books and like reading and knowing things, right. but because some people enjoyed like being at school with people. Uh, and mm-hmm. that should be something that if you're going to be in school from K to 12th grade, surely you should enjoy some you of should that enjoy time. at least a little bit of it. Right. <laughs> so, right. Some of the hours of the day. Right. And so spent some time in education. Like what does that look like to change school culture and climate and uh-huh. doing some of that now? And then the reality is you go from school to work mm. and now you work and like some people, you know, you, you go into different types of uh, trainings and you ask people, raise your hand. If you ever known somebody to say, Oh, I can't stand my job. And they'll say that uh, it's a millennial attitude that you should love work. I feel like that's not necessarily a millennial attitude. Okay. It's a desire for everybody who would like to go to work where they don't like. Right. Um, one doing what they're doing for sure but right. also like I hope I wish I could walk into you nobody wants to walk into their job wishing they were invisible right. to sit down at their desk do their work and then and turn then the leave. invisible back on and leave right. because they don't like working where they work with the people they work right. or don't feel comfortable doing that right. so right. the like not being around like oh I don't like you know coffee chatter but the like being around I don't feel comfortable right. I don't feel safe being myself right. and right. so it's like snowballed from Mm -hmm. that group at the volunteer center Mm -hmm. to what it looks like to create spaces where that feeling that I had then outside of school, outside of anything that was planned for all young people Mm -hmm. to be a feeling that I should still be able to have at work. And I want everybody to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like I'm trying to create the same feeling of nostalgia that I look back on (laughs) from being 15. And it just makes sense that you would be able to work with such a diverse group of people and enjoy yourself um, and get work done at the same time. So, and you're still in school now, are you continuing that path of education? Just 
Just it hasn't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at school. I okay. Think. Um, I know how to highlight and annotate very That's well. That's good. Different color highlighters. <laughs> you got to make mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, I'm uh, in grad school right now, um, working on. Um, theories and how to implement beloved community okay. in neighborhoods. So right. what would it look like for if neighborhoods thought about beloved community as a framework mm-hmm. and used it block to block, what mm-hmm. would it look like? How could that um, revolutionize our experience as human beings mm-hmm. and how could it change the understanding, the experience of people living in the space they live? Like mm-hmm. it would be awesome to not feel like you had to lock your door again. Right. Um, not because crime doesn't exist because right. you know, the people across from you and next to you are all watching and they right. all have your back and you all know each other's names. Um, things that are that simple mm-hmm. and that doesn't have anything to do with renting or owning or if I like gardening or all that stuff. Like our, I can garden, you don't, I'm a renter, you're an owner, mm-hmm. but we still should have investment in the places that we live Mm -hmm. and some people don't because they don't feel safe there and not again not safe because we're talking about crime safe because the person next to me I'm not sure respects me or values me as a human being right right and that's the type of safety that I'm like me I know we uh spoke like what are we going to talk about like my vision for the world I was Mm -hmm. like what is my vision for the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like for people to feel safe and valued um to be safe and valued so I can feel safe like oh yeah I'm good and then realize in some space that from microaggressions to Mm -hmm. just outright hate speech that Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. and um to be in a place where you hear something and the person doesn't know they're talking about you and your identity Mm -hmm. but they Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. and they think that somebody shouldn't be here and that somebody is you Mm -hmm. and they don't know they're talking about you because they didn't know your identities um but it moves it moves you away from places and so what would it be like to actually be safe and valued in spaces for every identity that you hold without having to say these are my identities and I would like for you to recognize the following six that I find important, but I'm here. So everybody's identities are valued. And Hey, I see there's a human. Hmm. I like that, man. Okay. I think we're, we're ready to, to change the world right now. We're going to (laughs) start, we're going to start today. Okay. Maybe we'll start after our commercial break. (laughs) We'll be right back in a few. CPL Radio is your community radio station. A great way to honor a special day in your life or the lives of others is to become a day owner. A contribution of $50 or more gives you the opportunity to own an entire day of broadcasting at CPL Radio. As a day owner, we will help you craft an on-air message that will be heard 12 times or more on your chosen day. Here are some examples. Support for today's programming on CPL Radio is made possible by John Smith, celebrating his wife's 29th birthday today. Happy birthday, Jane, with love from your husband, John. Support for today's programming on CPL Radio is made possible in part by John and Jane Smith, in memory of their beloved mother, Florence. CPL Radio's broadcast day is made possible today by John and Jane Smith, celebrating the importance of community radio in Cedarburg. 
If you're interested in becoming a day owner, fill out the day owner form online or stop in to the Cedarburg Public Library for details. with Nakatris who just told us about her vision and it seems so perfectly logical it seems so easy to do and why in the world aren't we doing that right now it just it doesn't um, it doesn't seem difficult so when you're in the suburbs and we I think Heidi gave us some stats about being about 95% 96% white in the suburbs and you have a group that comes in to say, we'd like us to all be a part of the beloved community, including those of us who don't like, look like those of you who are out here in the suburbs. But we get the pushback, kind of, a, well, if you don't like it the way it is here, then why are you here? Then maybe you can go somewhere else. Or why are you trying to change our town, our county? is just great the way it is. Why are you trying to change it? How do you, how do you, broach those other steps that seem so simple when you can't get past what seems like the first or second step with the community? <laughs> I think the first or second step oftentimes is just people being really um, truthful with themselves, right? Like being understanding of who you really are and spending some time talking about who you really are with people who are closest to you. So maybe the first step's not, you know, let's make a speech and let's get together. But when's the last time you've talked to your friends about really how open you are? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us um, would say, oh, I'm very open minded. But at the end of the day, many of us have these paths that are closed off to our network. There's a velvet rope. There's a a room divider, there's a curtain, there's things, there's places we're not willing to go and people we're not willing to see. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you go to any community and it's like, you know, I wouldn't want to be here too. Mm -hmm. Think about why people want to be in your community. It's not because they want to change your community, right? Mm -hmm. People want to be in your community in many cases, just thinking about greater Milwaukee area, right? People are moving of any type, shape, race, whatever. I would think we're moving to Ozaukee County or to Cedarburg because of um, maybe some of the opportunities in the school system. Mm -hmm. They want more space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you want a bigger yard. Mm -hmm. um, you want a more open, open concept. Like when you look at how the houses are placed, it's just like there's cul-de-sacs mm -hmm. and more because of how suburbs are built. Like right. there's a whole theory, multiple books. You can get a degree in how to build a <laughs> suburb, right? Yeah, yeah. And some people like that look and want to live in that space and mm -hmm. like two-way highways. They just like those that want to live that in that way. Mm -hmm. But when you live in, in that space, because that's a space or place you wanted, nobody wants to be like, also, I would love to be invisible. Mm -hmm. I would love for when people see me, they're afraid of me. Mm -hmm. I would love for things to be inaccessible to me. Um, I would love to be ignored or not taken into consideration during certain celebrations or um, during certain public events or in the newspaper. It would be great if I was if I never saw anything that looked like me. Like, mm -hmm. Representation does not matter. And mm -hmm. it would be great to never feel connected to the community. I would love that as well. That's just not true. Right. So I think it's 
what are you really open to? Yeah, come in, be in our community, no matter what community is. We we welcome everybody, but really, do you welcome right. everybody? Right. And not because you're not saying you are welcomed, but how are you making space for people mm-hmm. to be themselves and not enjoy some things that, like, I feel like everybody should have a right to want a bigger yard. That's mm-hmm. like not a a rocket science. It's not something that's huge. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bigger, I want more grass. That's not a, right. that's not something that we should be arguing about. Like, right. well, why are you coming anywhere? Because you want more grass or you want a music program for your child. What? If you don't like it, then go somewhere else. That makes sense to be able to want those things. Right. Um, and also to want to be seen. But I think that sometimes when we don't see people, um, you decide that, uh, their thought around it is a problem or they're not allowed to be proud. So it's really interesting. I um I wore I have a sweatshirt on actually right now that none of you can see. That says um <laughs> hella black and hella proud. Uh-huh. And um go. I like this sweatshirt, right? Right, right? I think it's like a new age version of I'm black and I'm proud. Right. And I feel like people are proud of who they are. But I, I get a lot of, oh I love your sweatshirt and a lot of like Side eye, why are you wearing that sweatshirt? It's so uncomfortable to see you walking in a sweatshirt that uh-huh. says that, uh-huh. which really means you're uncomfortable with me being proud mm-hmm. and like proud of being black. And it's not that I'm not proud of other identities. If you would like to right. give me a sweatshirt line for all the identities that I'm proud of, right? I'm proud. I'm hella Milwaukeean and hella proud too, <laughs> right? Like um, there's a lot of things that I'm proud of. And so, and I want other people to be proud of their identities too. Right. And yeah. to be able to know about them and understand why you're proud of those identities. I don't share them with you, but it's right. awesome that you're an individual, right. that you have a culture, a subculture, some rituals and things that, um, that sounds awesome. That sounds cool. I would love to know more about that. I would love to hear your voice and include you in spaces. And I think in communities, we have a hard time realizing that if you don't make space for people to talk, be proud, have rituals, have um, ceremonies, have their voice heard, then you're really saying you're not welcomed. Right. Like that is the exact, I don't care what the sign says as you enter a county, you are not welcoming people if you're not making space for them to be themselves, but instead asking them to come in and live by what you might characterize as the quote unquote norm um, or the quote unquote standard in order to have more grass. Mm-hmm. Yes, man. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> to all of that. Um, I, one of the things that we run into as we, um, as we have these podcasts and we hear people kind of, uh, talk about, um, their, their opinions or their thoughts about what, what could improve our, um, our community. We always run into the thing about the, um, about definitions. So one of the things you talked about earlier were microaggressions, and I mm-hmm. want to have you for our listeners kind of define microaggressions and and give us some examples of, of things that could happen that would be um, that would be labeled as microaggressions. So I'm not going to give you the textbook version. So okay. I'm sure there's someone listening somewhere who'll be like, "That is not what a microaggression is." That's not what it says. Here's On page 25. Yeah. <laughs> um, I look at microaggressions, and I feel like other people might too mm-hmm. as. Um, gestures or words phrases that bump up against stereotypes and put people in a box right um whether that is you're in awe because of the way someone's talking or you're in awe of the way someone's hair looks and then you're just so amazed that it's very similar to how you go to the zoo and you can't believe that the gorilla is peeling their own banana or I knew a tiger could swim, but to see them in motion, right. I just, oh my gosh, I really wish I could touch it. And just, it's so amazing to me that they're really swimming. <laughs> um, 
or um, how you put people in boxes in terms of their intelligence or yes. where they've been. Uh, there's a show on television called Blackish, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this last episode kind of talked about microaggressions. Huh. Yeah, Tracy Ellis Ross in the episode play or she plays a doctor period uh-huh. rainbow's a doctor and uh she finished this big thing where she's done anesthesia for all of the major brain um eyes like all there's like a thing i'm not a doctor okay so, um <laughs> there's like these five surgeries that you do that's a big deal okay and somebody came in and said oh um you went to usc and she was like wow that is a good school <laughs> well good for you Right. And just that phrase, like good for you, because we think, well, no, I congratulated them. But your tone and the way you congratulate somebody also pushes back like you can't believe that I could possibly go to USC. Mm -hmm. Like, why wouldn't I be able to go SC? Why Mm -hmm. is it that good? That's good for anybody. It's a good school. Did you like it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Then the next question should be like, are you really a Trojan? Go Trojans. (laughs) Like, you know, there's some Heisman winners there. What else are we going to talk about that really talks about not your surprise and now your intrigue, but instead just. Oh, that's a good school. I know some people who went there right. and we move on. It's the right. it's the surprise, the right. intrigue, the amaze, the like putting you behind glass mm-hmm. where you want to kind of touch it and feel it and treat a person like you're they're the stingray at Discovery World and you kind of want to pet it and mm-hmm. get a little closer because you've just never seen someone <laughs> of color use all of their word endings <laughs> in English. It's just so amazing. <laughs> And we learned that that yes. happens, right? At some point, we yes. read a book that was, oh, yeah. you know, a classic novel where word endings were dropped because that's what happened at that time. And to see someone use their word endings because we learned <laughs> at some point in our childhood that maybe black people don't use them. Right. Now they're just so articulate, <sighs> which is a microaggression, yeah. right? I think I might have to take a, take this clip and just keep it on my phone and just play it over and over again. Every time I'm like... Let me just play this for you. This is what you've just done. Just listen. No, we don't have to talk anymore. Just listen to this. Yes, because because and it happens all the time. And it's so it's hard to to explain to someone who really then looks at you with a blank look like, what are you even talking about? Trying to explain why didn't I'm a I'm a nurse and we're in scrubs. And why when we're in the room, do you always mistake me for environmental services or the kitchen? How come you never mistake me for the doctor? I don't understand. We're all wearing the same scrubs. Why don't you ever mistake me for the doctor? <laughs> I right. want that. But but trying to explain it to someone who hasn't had to go through it is just and then when you come in the skin that you're in having to explain it over and over and over and over again um is a it's a struggle that I have, you know. I want to I want to help people get to a different place than they are right now, but it's also exhausting when I have to continually get every person that I'm coming into contact with, give them the same speech. And so it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a struggle. (laughs) Which is why it starts with the individual practice, right? Mm -hmm. Like why I'm saying that you should have intimate conversations with the people you know and love about these things, because I get that there's also trust there. And so like, if the fact that you are mistaken for environmental services Mm -hmm. every time, so it's asking somebody or having them ask themselves when you're walking through anywhere, the grocery store, the corner store, the convenience store, whatever you're walking through, what are you thinking when you run into people? Mm -hmm. There's thoughts that cross your mind. I'm not saying blurt them out. Like, I just wanted to let you know that when I just saw you, it was great for me because I was like, she probably lives here instead of what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Or um, the thought of what are you thinking? Are you walking through your local grocery store thinking, I wonder why this person is all the way out here? Yeah. 
Yeah. Or I'm wondering why um, they've been on break so long Mm -hmm. because you assume that they work in the place that you're at and not shopping as a customer. Mm -hmm. Or, of course, this person can't drive because they don't understand whatever. Like you we make assumptions um, and we live in stereotypes because Mm -hmm. we've learned them. So Mm -hmm. part of the even liberation framework is just thinking about how we change our behavior because we unlearn some things. Mm -hmm. Um, Oppression is learned like it is taught to us, whether it's from watching TV or media or movies, which we can easily do that. We Mm -hmm. also learned it from our mom, our dad, our grandmother, our uncles, our friends, things that we heard and things that we just saw. Mm -hmm. If I live in a, on a block for all, from my K through 12 experience, and I never saw a person of color Mm -hmm. on my block where I live when I'm, I, I could easily draw the connection, right? You make a connection. Mm -hmm. We're smart Mm -hmm. you draw a connection of this type of person doesn't belong here Mm -hmm. if everyone i know is from looks the same has the same class they all own the same similar house they all have two car households everybody is completely able-bodied nobody is gay Mm -hmm. then i tell i can decide what it means to live in a space and now i've grown up and said that's what it, if you live in on this block, you look like this. So if anybody ever does not fit that box who lives here, then it's a question of like, did you see? Mm-hmm. Did you see who moved in? I can't believe they're here. Like that's it should, it's something where we learn. And so how do we spend time in our homes mm-hmm. really dismantling those things for ourselves and for the young people that we have the pleasure and honor of helping understand the world mm-hmm. in a way different than it might look on their day-to-day experience. Mm-hmm. And I do, I want to, um, in our next segment, I want to uh, spend a little bit of time talking about the young people and what we can do for the young folks that are out here in the suburbs and help them kind of kind of plot the, the path. So um, we'll come back after this uh, commercial break. Join the CPL radio crew. Volunteer at your community radio station. Here are just a few of the ways you can get involved in local community radio production. On-air talent. We're always in need of DJs and producers passionate to share their interest in music or information on the air. Archivists. CPL radio's music and show archives are extensive. Are you someone who likes to bring order to chaos? Wanted, dedicated archivists to spend time listening and curating our collections. Community Outreach. CPL Radio runs on volunteers and the support of our community. Are you someone who enjoys reaching out and bridging relationships with area businesses and community members? Come on down and be the handshake that makes a difference. There's always room for another volunteer at CPL Radio. Call us at 262-375-7640, extension 103, or just stop down to the Cedarburg Public Library during regular business hours.
as we talk about community, I think we also need to remember that it's not only the adults and the seniors that are making up the community. We have youth, um, and I would say specifically middle school, high school. They are also in the communities with us. They see the things that we see, feel the things that we feel, maybe not communicate them out as well as or as often as an adult would. But how do we, how can we focus on getting the 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 voice of the youth kind of as I guess specifically in general, but specifically in this this discussion about racial racial reconciliation, about issues of race. How do we get their voice out there? How do we So I think that one thing to acknowledge is that youth are already have a voice mm-hmm. and oftentimes they are using it at least with one another so from generation to generation I do think race is talked about differently 16 mm-hmm. year olds don't talk about race the way I talk about race uh, some of them will shrug it and be like oh, I mean it's not a big deal some of my friends are you know all types of different races backgrounds ethnicities right. and oftentimes they know some facts based on who they hang out with mm-hmm. so there is one to recognize that that does exist and then two to recognize that there are some young people who have absolutely no idea not because they don't want to but because it's not offered to them mm-hmm. so it because it could be that their friends are a very homogeneous group like that is not abnormal in any of the greater Milwaukee area because once again we're the most segregated for 2018 or whatever we've got a new article about being segregated once again <laughs> again it's not right. it's, I'm always like why is this news like right. at some point it's just we need to just realize that that's what's going on and right. are we going to fix it or are we going to keep reporting it as right. groundbreaking mm-hmm. um so I think to realize that there's a lot of homogeneous groups homogeneous groups in school um, and in neighborhoods mm-hmm. that people could use more information uh, oftentimes I feel like people point to um, parents and homes to do that work. Um, if I live in a home and it's me and two other, three other people, the reality is in a lot of places we are a homogeneous group, mm-hmm. right? We have different personalities, but for a family, there's a lot of things that are very similar. So school is probably the most diverse place that young people are going. So one, school should be doing, I would say, more work. And having more conversations that are open for young people, whether it's lunchtime conversations, whether there's a teacher who really opens up and says things in their classroom, interrupting Mm -hmm. remarks that happen at school. Um, Teachers are put in a really, really hard place because like my goal, my I've been hired to teach math. Mm -hmm. Also, I see young people for 10 hours a day. And there are so many things outside of math that I might be hearing as a math teacher. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear that I'm not teaching math okay. anymore. Wow. <laughs> um, but some of the things I might hear as a math teacher. And mm-hmm. so when is it appropriate to say something or interrupt something and have a conversation that a parent could come back later like, I don't know why you were talking to my child about this. Yeah. Well, I said that might be offensive or can you watch your language in this classroom because I know that it would have offended someone had they been in here. And I want them to be clear about that. Um, And a parent could be mad about that. Or we could talk to parents, too. Like, this is why we do that and create a culture and climate in schools that is allowed to have open conversations and discourse and respect the minds of young people. Mm -hmm. They can handle way more conversations and dialogue than I think we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And in working in schools, working in a number of schools right now, some of them suburban, Mm -hmm. some of them urban, some of them on the edge of each, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the biggest hurdle is getting over adult discomfort. Ah. Um, there's adult discomfort. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, we're not supposed to talk about that. Yeah. Oh, I don't want anybody to get mad at me. Ah, oh, what would I say? Right. Oh, I don't think that that's even a thing that I... So it's looking at adult discomfort. So are we talking to each other in terms of peers? So working at one school, um, there was a lot of talk around 
adults talking to each other about these topics um, are things that they would never talk about. Or you heard another adult say something and you didn't interrupt it and it was in front of young people, right. which actually gives it credence. Like that means that what they said was okay because there's young people looking at you to as two, four, as the epitome of what it looks like to be guidance right right right. so you are their guide through this thing called life for eight hours a day (laughs) and so they're looking to you like that and so when you don't say anything you're like oh that must be okay because again we make connections by ourselves if every time i hear a word that would be offensive to someone Mm -hmm. i say nothing and a young person is watching me do that i have told that young person it's okay to do that right Um, And that's around any identity. It's around the identity of how girls aren't safe in spaces Mm -hmm. and we allow boys to be boys and, oh, they were just playing and that's kind of how boys do things. But it's not. If Mm -hmm. a girl doesn't feel safe in a space physically, emotionally, mentally, that is a problem. And as an adult in the space, one, I want to make sure that girls have room to say something. And two, I want to make sure that I'm interrupting what a boy might be saying to them. Mm -hmm. And that's one very, you know, clear divide but there's so many things that have so much gray space there's so much gray space where it's like maybe someone gender identity Mm -hmm. is very fluid and so what does that mean for people how can people feel safe and valued Mm -hmm. like the like that is the most baseline so doing things in schools making sure we're talking to teachers making sure we're talking to students and creating space for people to have dialogue Um, so there's a lot of different ways that can happen it can happen on off days it can happen on on days it can happen on you know once a month during lunch there's a Mm -hmm. conversation and you would be amazed how that could grow it's gonna Mm -hmm. start with two students i guarantee one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. but it'll grow because they're like oh i know where we can go talk about this or i know the person i can bring this issue to when i felt so uncomfortable in a class or i felt so uncomfortable something even if it wasn't necessarily about me i felt like are we supposed to be saying or doing that and i didn't have anybody to ask about it Mm -hmm. and because no one else said something i just always feel uncomfortable in it and just decide i guess that is what some people do right and and just like any other um culture change or culture shift you in the culture of education in our public schools we have uh, you know the public school um arena you have to convince the powers that be that what's everything as status quo right now may not be the best i'm not coming into your space saying what you're doing is terrible this place that you've created is horrible and we need to change it all but I do see some things that could use some change or some help. How do you even approach a school, a school system? You know, you have to start with the superintendents. How do you even get them to come together to say, I think we might need to change the the climate here a little bit? Um, I think you just start the conversation. Yeah. I don't think that I'm a firm believer that people are doing the best they can Mm -hmm. based on the knowledge and information they have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is just misinformation. Mm -hmm. And so over time, things change and people figure out how to ease things in. The other thing that I think that we have a really hard time doing is that we struggle with always, we always have to make something palatable. Mm -hmm. And at some point, yeah, maybe it does have to be palatable, but sometimes it just, that is not true. (laughs) That is not a fact. Um, So I think about how we even teach in schools, like how we are, how are we still teaching history? That's just not true. Yes. (laughs) Like, I just don't understand that. Like the way that young people in elementary school learn about what Thanksgiving is or like how that happened. It just doesn't make sense that people are still saying the word settlers. What did they, I don't get it. Right. Um, I heard a story the other yesterday, actually, a fourth grader most recently was talking to their parent about um, the, the, uh, the 
United States of America being built by immigrants and like how it was built by Im- immigrants coming into the country and figuring out how to find their place in it. Now I ask more questions and what it really boils down to like the, the now it's like the transatlantic migration. That's not true. Okay. <laughs> Slavery is not a migration. Was it? No, <laughs> I think not. And so <laughs> trying to like make things palatable so people can, so we can all, no. So it's not that there are some things in history that were dark, that didn't make right. sense, that weren't okay, that were hurtful. Right. And you can't move on from that unless you acknowledge it and right. acknowledge some of the things that still linger because that was able to be true. Right. And I don't think that shielding young people from it or pretending like it didn't happen or trying to make it easier to swallow and let's just talk about how we're all one in a human right we are humans right and we are humaning and we are all in many ways problematic every single Mm -hmm. one of us because we don't know some things Mm -hmm. we're not clear about some identities um and we have created boxes or been taught boxes that we look at people and we're not radically open to who they are Mm -hmm. we're like i'm kind of open now what did you say (laughs) and how and why and why would you do that right and so it's giving young people i think a place to not be shoved in those boxes Mm -hmm. because we haven't done that for them yet we Mm -hmm. continue over and over generation and generation to be like let's figure out the box we're going to shove this generation in and teach them these things that will hopefully if they have to dismantle it they'll figure it out on their own i'm not sure and as adults that means that we're dismantling boxes yeah and we're dismantling language actions beliefs behaviors that we thought made sense so that we can teach another generation that oops that doesn't make sense also it's not because we're post-racial and we're not in kumbaya i'm not talking about utopia this is hard work right to really think take a look at myself as an adult in the mirror and say these are the places that i feel like i'm i easily and do a good job of interrupting Mm -hmm. this is a place where i'm an ally and i really do want people to do well. These are places where I'm advocating for people because their rights are being crushed. Forget mm-hmm. marginalized. Like, they don't have rights. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm an accomplice, mm-hmm. right? Like, I am an able-bodied black woman, and there's places where I see... Um, People who are not able-bodied with just no access, the amount of homes that don't have access or places that still don't have access, regardless of all the laws on the books. Mm-hmm. So I don't want people to also think there's laws for that. Right. There's acts for that. No, right. there's that's that those can be ignored right. often and they are. There's ways to navigate around them. So what does it look like to be an accomplice to say, like, we don't do these things in this type of space because people aren't welcomed? Mm-hmm. I am not going to do things in a space where I feel like everybody can get inside of the space, period. Mm-hmm. I'm not. So for a person who um, is an accomplice for a black person, I don't do things where black people are not welcomed, made to feel safe, mm-hmm. made to have voice. If white people said, I'm not going in any space where that's not true, what would that do? Mm-hmm. Some people wouldn't be going to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that was true, right? Yeah. Like, So what does it look like for us to figure out how to kind of nudge up against the things that we believe deep in us and don't necessarily take count of and ignore sometimes, not because we think we're, we're trying to be rude or mean, but we're just ignorant of some things, all of us. And what does it look like to nudge up against that? So yeah, I have the conversation with any school administrator, teacher, mm-hmm. there's PD days for days and we can have uh core standards are real. Right. Everybody needs to be able to do some things, right. but also don't you want people who have a character that is strong enough to uphold the country that we say we have the city that we say we have, the neighborhood that we say we're building as we move forward. Man. <laughs> yes, all of that. Can I just end it saying yes? Yes, all of that. I thank you so much for coming. Um I this podcast, one of the reasons why we like having a podcast so much is that someone who is not ready to hear all this can start it and stop it 
and wait and breathe and come back and listen to it again. They can not be ready to accept what you're saying and have to listen again later or share with somebody, someone else. But uh, it's important that we have the voices of people, um, of people of color to say, this is, this is what it is. You need to listen to this voice. And I thank you so very much for coming. If there is a school system or a group or a body that would like to have you come and, mm-hmm. and speak with them, how would they reach out to you? Uh, they could reach out to us um, for through Ubuntu. Okay. So Ubuntu Research and Evaluation, U-B-U-N-T-U. Um, research and evaluation, um, evaluation and research. I'm sorry. So if you look into um, our website is www.ubunturesearch.com, um, and we're on all the Instagram, Twitter at Ubuntu Research is our handle for everything. If you want to email us at learn at ubuntu u b u n t u research.com, that is also a way to reach us to talk about like on our website, you can say like, I would be interested in learning more. Mm -hmm. And then if you just email that and say, I would love to talk more. Um, and yeah, we've done a lot of work with schools Mm -hmm. and how to really touch young people and to touch adults to better touch young people, um, in a way that gets them thinking in different ways and gives them voice and spaces. All righty. That'll work. If you were, if you're listening and you're ready, We've Even got, if you're not ready. If you're not ready, if you're willing, let's do this. <laughs> Unwilling and uncomfortable works too. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.